I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! thinking about it maybe there we go okay (sighs) sibilance 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 red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather quick kiss quicker kiss all right here we go hello there it's obi john kenobi your favorite host in all of podcasting and welcome to your weekly nerd alert joining me this week my stalwart right-hand man, the Bucky to my Falcon, because he's 100 years old. <laughs> uh, what other sidekicks can I throw in here? We don't have a lot of sidekicks in the MCU. He's the man who keeps the nerd in the top nerded to me network, Commander Scott. So uh, I found out something interesting today. Because I'm a firm believer that you should always find out something interesting every day. You should you should always end the day with more knowledge than you had. So uh, and on this to... show, we're determined to teach you something, whether you like it or not. I, I'm, whether that information is useful or not. So in 1966, there was a gentleman named Frederick Bauer, and, and I'm taking a stab at that last name. It's a B-A-U-R. So I'm assuming we'll go with that. He had an ingenious idea. Uh, uh, for the company of Procter and Gamble to uniformly stack chips inside of a can instead of just tossing them into a bag. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm assuming you can guess what chips I'm talking about here. Yeah, ruffles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they have ridges. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, bugles. No, 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 not bugles. No, no, uh, not not ruffles. Not bugles. Uh, no. uh, potato skins that you can no. only find in gas stations. No, no, no. Okay. Although gas is awesome. 3D Doritos. No, 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 no. But only if they're the real 3D Doritos. Not, what we oh, have. Okay. not, not bugles in disguise. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, of course, this, this gentleman uh, created the packaging for Pringles, obviously. You know, you get the, the can and everything there. But he was so proud of this idea that uh, in his will, he specified that he wished to be cremated and buried in a Pringles can. He passed away at the age of 89. His children stopped at a Walgreens on the way to the funeral home to buy his burial Pringles can. And when they got there, 
they determined that they had one decision to make. Quote, my siblings and I briefly debated, uh, debated what flavor to use. I was just going to ask, what flavor did they go with? Bauer's eldest son, Larry, told Time Magazine, quote, but I said, look, we need to use the original. And so Frederick Bauer, the inventor of the Pringles can, is buried in an original flavor Pringles can. I'm assuming they took the chips out first, but the article does not specifically state that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, yeah, I found that very interesting. And yet, when I suggest we use a bowling ball for my father, I just got daggers stared at me from everybody. You know, some people just they they they, they can't appreciate the 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 the, uh, the 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 irony of things. And 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 I, I only briefly met your dad, but I think you would have loved it. I mean, if he was <laughs> thinking of bowling as you say he was, I didn't because I, I met him after his bowling phase. I guess mm-hmm. I, I think you would have found it awesome. So uh, we'll we'll peel back the curtain a bit then. Once you know the joke. Uh, so my my father recently passed away, um, and when my family was at the funeral home uh, trying to decide what kind of urn to get for him, uh, we went into like a showroom. Basically, it's sort of like buying a car. You go into a showroom and it's, <laughs> look at all the models we make. It's oddly bizarre. Uh, there's also a little thing in the corner for like, hey, we'll make you a tree, which Whitney was like, I want that one. And I'm like, gotcha, babe. Um, <laughs> but at the very bottom of this, uh, it was like a bookshelf kind of thing. At the very bottom corner, pushed to the back, there's a ceramic bowling ball. Now, my father, for years, uh, was a, in a bowling uh, a league, uh, a bowling league. Uh, every, I think it was like Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, him and my mom would go off to league night for bowling. Uh, he was good at it too, man. He had, he had more than a few trophies when we moved from, I think it was Illinois to Iowa. It might've been Iowa to Kentucky. One of those moves, mom made him get rid of all of them because they were taking him too much space. Um, so I spot this and I'm like, guys, there's a bowling ball. And the funeral home director <laughs> turns to me and says, I'll make you a really good deal on that bowling ball. And I was like, see, I'm saving money. He'd love it even more. Come to find out the story behind this is like 10 years ago, some salesman came to them and had a bowling ball, a golf ball. I think it was a football and like a fishing lure all made all, all like ceramic urns. And apparently this guy was so annoying. They finally said to him, we'll buy one of each if you leave right now and don't come back. So they've been sitting on these for like a decade. And the bowling ball was the last holdout that they hadn't sold yet. Uh, I was shot. I was vetoed on that. I am. Uh, my one vote. Then I'll swear I carry enough weight for that. But You were overridden, huh? Yeah. Hardcore. Hardcore. Nobody else thought it was amusing. Very sorry to hear that because I think it's an awesome idea. Though it's really interesting that I, I find it interesting. So when I was there, you know, for for, for your memorial and stuff, uh-huh. the the showroom that you you mentioned is not like behind the scenes. It's right out in the open, right off the main foyer, and and literally I walked into it because I thought it was a gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do they have a gift shop? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pick up your souvenir urn or uh, your 
uh, air freshener in the shape of a coffin? Or <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a gift shop because it had a very gift shop vibe to it. You know, I can't I can't say I blame you. If I didn't already know what that room was, I probably would have done the same thing. Uh, anyway. But that is not actually what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we're here for, I want you to think back uh, to that time when you're in grade school, okay? And it's not the end of the year yet, but you're far enough along. It's, it's time for a progress report. You know, it's it's a parent-teacher conference. Your mom and dad are going to come in. They're going to sit down with your teacher. Your teacher's going to tell them how terrible you're being in class and and what you're doing well in and what you need to do better on and, and try to, you know, go, uh, uh, course correct you if needed for the rest of the year. Well, that's kind of the mode we're in today. So we, like all proper nerds, are fans of the MCU and its various films and spinoffs and tie-ins and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's a super fun world to jump in and spend some time and play with. We had a huge wrap-up a couple years ago to Phase 3 with Endgame and then uh, whatever that other Spider-Man movie's called. I can't keep them straight anymore. Um, Nowhere to Roam or something. All Dogs Find Home, something, whatever. That, that Spider-Man movie with the home name in. It's Spider-Man, the Homeward, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. That's the one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so we are now, after an entire year with no Marvel content at all, we are now kickstarting phase four of the MCU. Uh, and I remember being uh, that nerd on the internet when they, they first heard them refer to the Marvel movies up to that point as phase one. And I was like, oh, there's phases? Um, little did I know. So phase four. Uh, brief rundown is is scheduled to run from 2021 to 2023. It will consist of 10 motion pictures and and I'm fudging the numbers a little bit on this at least 12 streaming shows on Disney Plus. And I say at least 12 because they're very close. Uh, uh, how many seasons these shows are getting is not necessarily open to the public or readily announced. Um, we didn't know Loki was getting a second season until the end of season one. I think they've already announced what if is getting a second season, but because it's an animated show, I don't really know if it's a second season or if it's just like the second half of the episodes are going to come back in from whatever studio they got to do the animation from. Cause animation is weird. I don't know. Um, so at least 12, possibly more, uh, and those are things that, that have been announced and that we know are coming sometime in the next couple of years. But we're not going to talk about all of that. We're simply going to focus on this past year, even though it hasn't quite been a year yet. Uh, what have we gotten? What do we think of all that stuff? Where do we think the MCU is going? And then specifically, we're going to take a look ahead at what is coming the rest of this year, 2021, and what do we think going from that? Uh, so we'll start, I guess, at the beginning, um, or we could start at the end and work backwards, or we can start at the middle and work around it, because as we've now learned, time is just a constant. Uh, but I think we'll start with WandaVision. Uh, well, uh, ahead, real quick, before we get too deep yes. into this, uh, I, I yes. want to cut back to your uh, your parent-teacher conference analogy, because <laughs> yes. going, going back to grade school, if if it was anything like my experience, I actually had a teacher tell my parents to tell me to 
stop learning on my own and and wait for the class. <laughs> because so it was I remember this distinctly. It was it was third grade and uh, I, I was going into third grade and I, and and I was actually apprehensive because we had to start writing in cursive in third grade. I don't even know if they teach cursive anymore. Uh, and I'd never written in cursive before. So I started watching KET over the summer and, and they had, you know, those educational shows and one of them was covering cursive. So I started teaching myself cursive. Uh, and, and mom and dad took like some samples of my stuff and my teacher said, Oh, oh that's good. But yeah, tell tell him not to do that. Yeah. I actually had a teacher tell me to stop learning. You know, that oddly feels fitting for for the analogy of the MCU parent-teacher conference. Because uh, the MCU, and, and I have a feeling, Scott, I might be telling you the same thing. When we start talking about the intricacies of Kang the Conqueror, I have a feeling you're probably reading ahead of the class, Scott. Oh yeah, God yes, I, I love in, I love the whole Kang stuff going going on in in Loki and, and everything. And uh, by that, I specifically mean you've already spent a couple of decades reading ahead of the class. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah. if if you're one of those people who only knows it if it's in an MCU project, we're way ahead of the class. Well, hell, at one point I remember I forget the story, but there was a story that revealed that Kang had a cloaked time ship parked just outside of Avengers Mansion for like 20 years. And and no one knew it was there because it was off in the ground somewhere. You know, it's just not like a place that people normally would walk or anything. Uh, I think that was sometime around the early, early 90s, like 90, 91. And once again, I forget the story because they all kind of blur together at this point. But yeah. Fair enough. And and then there was the I remember so I remember the first time in the comics I saw the TVA because I have been waiting for the Time Variance Authority in the MCU for freaking ever. And I know we may be jumping ahead here a little bit. I'm sorry, uh, but the first time that I remember it was uh, I believe there was a story where Reed and Kang were chasing each other through time. It was either Kang or it was Doom. I don't remember. It may I, I think it was Kang. And they had the time platforms, the portable mm-hmm. time platforms, which is why in Endgame I was so I was I giggled when when the 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 time machine that they did was a fucking platform. I'm like, oh my god, it's the time platform. They brought it to us. They didn't call it out. They didn't call it a time platform. They didn't hang a tag on it. They just put it in. It was one of the most subtle Easter eggs I think has ever been done for true comic nerds. And and uh, but yeah, they were chasing each other through time, and finally, Mister Johnson, basically Mobius from the mm-hmm. the, the series, uh, he was called Mister Johnson in the comics, and there was all kinds of Mister Johnsons. But pretty much every field operative in the comics was Mister Johnson, and uh, he basically showed up and he said, "Gentlemen, I'm I'm going to have to take those." He's <laughs> 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 like, y- "Y'all aren't supposed to be doing this." So yeah, it was it it was good. You can have it back at the end of the school year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah, we will definitely circle back around to that. But, but no, it's fine. It's fine. Let's uh, let's shift back to beginning of this year uh, after the drought of any Marvel content. 
and we got WandaVision, which was not initially planned to be the first Disney streaming series. But I think it worked out pretty well that it was because, and again, I might be a little ahead of myself, but I feel like so far, WandaVision is the only thing we've gotten on Disney Plus that I think had to be a TV show. And by that, I mean, not necessarily on like, you know, cable, but something that had to be told in a non-film format, something that needed those extra episodes, that extra time to get across what it was trying to do. It felt uniquely suited for a streaming or a series. It was not what people expected. It was very different from what the MCU had delivered to us at all to that point. By the end, we got a bit more MCU safe, uh, you know, people floating and shooting lasers at each other and whatnot. Um, But those first several episodes, this show was very different from anything we've gotten. And I think that was very much to its benefit. Scott, what did you think of WandaVision? Well, so watching WandaVision, uh, it was definitely a slow burn. You know, the first couple of episodes were very... I don't know, tame, I guess, maybe non-committal. You know, they were they were just kind of. It, it was like it was like the show was dipping its toe in the water. It's like, yeah, let's see, let's, let's, let's see, let's, yeah, it's okay. Let's get a little more, a little more. Um, now, I I I disagree that it was the only one that that needed to be told in a in a television format, but I will agree that it was the 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 one that was most suited for a television format, if that makes sense. I think they could have easily done it as a movie, trimming some of the fat, but of the ones, this one really lent itself to television. Um, I think it was a great story. I think it set up a lot of threads that we're going to see going forward, which is, you know, I mean, it, it's obvious, uh, given the ending and everything. Uh, it really explored. Uh, and, and the MCU did an- yet again another thing that... Um, that they're really good at, and that is taking comic characters that I really don't like and turning them into good characters that I like. Because I'm not a big fan of Scarlet Witch in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, the thing that I loved in this whole thing was we have white vision. Uh, see i was gonna work up to that but we'll dive right in scott no, no, i'm going straight for it you know the fact that at the end well so vision's body is is re reactivated by sword and it's really cool because if you if you look at the the comics uh the the story where white vision because vision dies in the comics and I forget what turns, I, I forget if it's his death or if it's what brings him back that turns him white. But after his death, you know, he's laid out on a table in kind of disparate parts. And the scene in uh, WandaVision where we see his body on a table is, is straight out of the comics. It's, it's just, it's that shot, just beautifully done. And they bring him back to life. They, they, they put him back together. They, they get him back online. Um, and he's, 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 he's got a programming in him cause he's more of an automaton than a sentient being and he's fighting himself. He's fighting the, 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 the Scarlet Witch hexed construct of vision where she, mm-hmm. she, she literally conjured him out of thin air because she was so distraught over him being gone. 
Um, and you know the 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 fake vision, the faux vision, is talking to real vision. I guess let's just call it that. Uh, and and he they have a battle of logic because they're equally matched in in they in 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 physical strength, in in powers, and toughness, and skill. So he has to he has to battle him with logic, and and as a result, he makes him in in true two thousand one a space odyssey how fashion he he. He, he he finds the flaw in the logic uh, and 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 awakens I guess his sentience right there at the end and the white vision goes flying off and of course we 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 don't know where he goes and I really really hope we see him again in the MCU somewhere um, but the fact that we have the white vision he's back uh, he he's there and and he's out in the world somewhere uh, just makes me giddy to no end. It was a great way of having your cake and eating it too. Um, and so th- the show started out very, very um, Twilight Zone-ish, for lack of a better term. We all knew what we were seeing wasn't real, but we didn't know what was really going on and what started it or who started it. Or There was an, um, an element of mystery to WandaVision, at least the first three, four episodes before we kind of got that big expo dump episode. It's like, okay, here's what's really going on. Uh, and those, the, the, those mystery episodes where we didn't really know what was going on. We were looking for clues in dialogue and in character actions and the commercial that, you know, they intercut in each episode and sound bites buried in it and music choices. And it was a great way to, I mean, fans were so desperate for any MCU content. I think this coming out of the gate was great because it it rewarded people rewatching the episode over and over again, listening to dialogue, listening to sound cues, going back and rewatching Wanda's uh, and and Vision's journey in the films up to this point, and looking for little things, you know, callbacks that were maybe too subtle to get the first time around. Uh, it rewarded that, and, and I think fans needed that. And then. We eventually get that. I think it's the fourth episode where we get a big sort of expo dump, and it's okay. Here's what's going on. We'll pull back the curtain. Uh, what's really happening? And that you know, even then, it doesn't reveal everything. It takes the entirety of the series to finally figure out what exactly is going on. Um, but like you said, Scott, it 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 does a great job of taking characters who have been minor supporting characters, putting you in the limelight and then showing you, here's why you should care about these characters. Here's why these people matter. They weren't just in the background. They're going to be taking a bigger uh, um, role in the MCU going forward. And here's us getting that ready. It was a way of honoring the fact that yes, the vision we knew is dead. The vision we saw sacrifice himself in Infinity War to try and stop Thanos, that sacrifice wasn't for nothing. But also, can we have vision back, please? Thank you. Uh, well, we get both. So one thing that I would love to see going well, – we'll, we'll talk about this later. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're, um, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming we'll talk about at some point stuff we would love to see. And I, I just, oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, it plays off of this, but – but yeah, when it when it comes to WandaVision, uh, you know, you get a lot of stuff set up. You get a lot of stuff brought in. One of the things that I thought was really, really good, and, and this is something that I love, 
with the MCU, and I guess I guess Kevin Feige, I, I don't know how much of a role he plays in this, but obviously he he kind of steers the ship. Uh, but and I I think they do a really good job of of picking people to to bring these things to life that all share the the same I guess love of the sports material, and they want to stay. And, and you know what I'm saying? They all have the kind of a singular vision about how things should. And then of course Kevin Feige at the beginning, he's he's heading, he's helming the ship. But um, one of the things that I loved in this was that they brought back. Uh, the FBI agent, uh, Wu, is that his name? Yes. His name? Played by Randall Park, I believe. Yeah, from uh, uh, the Ant-Man movies. Mm -hmm. And the fact that in this one, he has learned the the appearing card trick, the sleight of hand. (laughs) The sleight of hand magic. Yes, yes. And he's just, yeah, he's he's got it because 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 uh, you know Scott he, he Scott does it for him in, in Ant Man too and he's like oh how'd you do that and so it just it just continues those little things those little threads that keep a character a character from one to the next. Yeah, the, it, this did a great job of I mean so the stars of this movie were supporting characters in everything else so even their supporting crew are the, like, C-list people from the other mall. You know, Darcy came back and has a purpose now, besides making meow-meow jokes. I like um, meow-meow jokes. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, we saw the birth of a new uh, photon, Captain Marvel, whatever we're deciding to call her, um, within the con- uh, the confines of the WandaVision, and we saw the birth and creation of another superhero. Uh, we saw, and, and what I think is, yes, White Vision is awesome, and I think that was a great way of... of bringing vision back, but making the role different, honoring the sacrifice that our vision made, uh, but being able to have that character further down the road, you don't do that and not bring him back. He'll be back. I know he'll be back somewhere. Um, it'll be a while before we get that next Avengers movie, but he'll be in it. Um, but the biggest thing about this and the, and, and what becomes the focus of this is Wanda and not just her journey from this point on dealing with her grief, but we got what I would consider the first major retcon of the MCU and it was handled beautifully because in the wrong hands a retcon is cheap lazy and stupid but the retcon we got for Wanda in WandaVision I think was done beautifully because it doesn't contradict anything we've already been told about the character it's just revealing another layer we didn't realize was there now that we understand more about the Infinity Stones before WandaVision, we're told Wanda's powers came from experiments with the stone in Loki's scepter. Same with her brother Pietro. That's where their powers came from. And we know all the background reasons. You know, we couldn't make them mutants because the uh, you know, Fox rights had, you know, we, we couldn't say mutants. We couldn't do that. So that was our workaround is, oh, their powers come from the stone. And that was why uh, in, in other movies, Wanda, as she learned her powers, was becoming more and more powerful because the source of her power is an infinity stone. Uh, and, and the more she understands about how the, the, the nature of her powers and how they work, the more power, powerful she'll become. So if he, progressively, each movie, she gets more and more powerful. What this movie, or what WandaVision did, was add a whole other layer to that and put the character back in line with where she is, to a degree, in the comics. And it revealed that her, her powers did not come from the Infinity Stone. They were amplified by the Infinity Stone. And her true power is that she is the Scarlet Witch. Something else that, you know, we it's sort of like Hawkeye. 
yeah, we know he's Hawkeye, but if you watch the movies, no one ever. We, we, we joke around it, but no one ever flat out. He's always Clint. The, the um, closest we get to Hawkeye in, in the movies is the Avengers movie when uh, um, when Fury asks uh, uh, Selvin. Barton. Oh, you mean the Hawk? Oh, you mean the Hawk? Yeah. yeah, that's the closest that we get to it, yeah. Yeah, um, which I think will be retconned too. But so the same with, with what she's always Wanda. Because there's never really been a reason to call her Scarlet Witch. And again, in the marketing and in the toys, yeah, fine. But in this, she earned, it's not just a code name or a title. It's 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 a role. It's who she's born to be. It's her birthright. Her powers come from an innate magical ability that the stone amplified. And she's just discovering these powers and they do a great job of showing how quick of a learner wanda is uh go ahead sorry so uh, and also that this whole thing with with this evolution of uh wanda in in wandavision has a uh a, a, a crux of origin in the comics too because for a long time in the comics uh the scarlet witch wanda maximoff she was just a mutant who had a hex ability. That was pretty much all. That was the be all end all of her power. Is she could send out these hexes and somewhat manipulate probability to where it was in her favor and against the other. A, a little, a little bit like Domino's luck, but a bit more focused. But it was she would hex people, you know, and and that was it. And then around the time of the No More Mutant story, you, they 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 expanded her abilities, and you get this whole sub story that that her powers are magical in nature and she she has magic she was just untrained up to that point um so so this whole thing in in wandavision of you know bringing in uh agnes and bringing in the magic aspect of it and and the fact that there's this whole other aspect of the mcu in the marvel universe we haven't touched on yet and she's part of that as as a witch uh, and 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 everything is is very rooted in the comics, and I love the way they brought that in. And you brought it to the the last big thing I want. Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. So we got the this great retcon of Wanda. We actually get to see her origins. You know, we we've we've it was condensed in uh, Age of Ultron, where literally Wanda and Pietro just tell us their origin story. Now we get to see it. We spend a whole episode walking through her memories, and again we reshape that, you know, the, the, the bomb lands in front of him and doesn't go off. Not because it's a dud because Wanda hexed it without even knowing, uh, which is again, one of those moments where done doesn't contradict any, it just adds another layer of now that we know this, that reinterprets how we look at that. It's done beautifully. The other thing I want to give Marvel super, super credit for, one of the biggest, I think, missteps in the the first couple phases of the MCU was tearing down Shield. Shield was the crux of putting together the Avengers and the glue that held the MCU together. The first couple phases, when they tore the whole thing down in um, Winter Soldier, I always thought like eh, that feels wrong. I don't think we're done with Shield yet. I think we still need Shield. Logically, in this universe, you'd still want Shield. The more we know about what's really going on out in the world and threats from within, you want Shield. Um, if for no other reason, then you want more Nick Fury. Um, 
in WandaVision, we kind of get what I feel is going to be our replacement for S.H.I.E.L.D., which is S.W.O.R.D., um, which in the comics it has a slightly different purpose. It's In the comics, it's basically S.H.I.E.L.D. for outer space. Uh, it's looking outward while S.H.I.E.L.D.'s looking inward. Um, but I think they repurposed it really well. And they even mentioned in the show that, you know, since since uh, the snap and in S.H.I.E.L.D. going down, S.W.O.R.D. has sort of been repurposed uh, to fit that need, which I thought was a cool, I mean, it's a throwaway line of dialogue, but it explains a lot. Uh, it also raises a, a ton of questions for me about, okay, well, where the fuck have you guys been this whole time? Um, if we had an organization that was going up into space and had sta- like a, that satellite space station thing, uh, where, 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 where have you guys been? What's going on? Uh, I feel like there's some uh, stuff we didn't hear about yet, but I know Marvel. We'll get to that. Um, I just thought it was really cool to, to, to get that kind of some kind of organization back. Um, because I feel like, again, the, the, the more crazier things get in the MCU, the more super villains pop up, the more times we, you know, brush up against, you know, the world's about to explode, but we saved it. Like you're going to want, some kind of organization like shield so i was very happy to see <clears throat> sword come in and and not just as a fill-in for shield but has their own flavor uh is is not shield in a good way but serves the purpose of of shield if that makes sense it's like i'm rambling in in the comics and i'm trying to remember wasn't sword basically a reorganized repurposed shield created by norman osborne when he was director i believe that was hammer you're thinking of. hammer yes thank you sorry don't ask me to tell you what hammer means because i don't know if they ever told us but they did i remember but i don't remember what it stood for but i do remember getting an a, a, a thing for the acronym <laughs> still my favorite and best line from agents of shield what does shield stand for Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. And what does that mean to you? Someone really wanted our initials to spell shield. <laughs> so over the years, I think I think the MCU version is the third version of what shield stands for. I think you're right. It's, it's at least the third. I'll say that. Because I remember when when I was reading in my heyday, shield stood for Strategic Hazard Intervention Espionage Logistics Directorate. Uh, and then I remember the original was like Supreme Headquarters Enforcement. Fuck, I don't remember the rest of it. Uh, Supreme Headquarters of International Espionage. Yeah, I forget. But no, yeah. it's had it's had at least there's the original one from like the '60s when they when they dusted off uh, Sergeant Fury and made him Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, because they wanted that James Bond money. And then in the 80s, it got reworked to sound less corny from the 60s. So the MCU is at least the third uh, uh, iteration of what S.H.I.E.L.D. means. Now, now I remember in the 90s, uh, I remember reading a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, comic, which was funny as shit. And they actually brought this in uh, a little bit in the MCU. So... The scene with Nick Fury, which is arguably one of his best scenes, because it, it's all him, uh, in uh, Winter Soldier. Excuse me, where he's attacked in the uh, in the uh, the SUV that he has, mm-hmm. you know, and he keeps asking for stuff, and everything's offline, or he can't do this. 
So there's a scene where Nick Fury is is actually he, he's very much in a James Bond scene. Uh, he he's got the tux on and everything, and uh, he was he was in an undercover espionage uh, mission, and 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 his cover was blown, and it was a running firefight type thing, you know. And he's got a, he's got his earwig in, and he's talking to uh, his his support team wherever they're at, and he's he's like. Uh, He's constantly asking for like you know the the cloaking ability or the flying ability on the car, and you know he 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 needs all these functions, but they keep telling him they can't because it's not in the budget. <laughs> like we don't have the money for that. He's like, what about invisibility? Uh, I can give you about forty five seconds of invisibility. That's all we can pay for. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh God, it was great. But anyway, I digress. No, um, it's fine. It's, I, I I loved to see that. Um, I want my shield windbreaker now, or sorry, my sword windbreaker now. Um, I love to see that organization, and I really, really want to see. And I have a feeling we will in um, an upcoming film, The Marvels, where we deal with all the Marvel Captain Marvels together. I think we'll see a little more um, backstory fleshing out how sword came to be and what they've been doing this whole time up till now. Um, but look, if the worst thing I can say is I want to see more of something that's usually a good sign. Uh, the only negative I had to say, cause I want to keep this, you know, fair. Uh, the only negative I have for one division is it pulled maybe the worst bait and switch Marvel has ever pulled, including the Iron Man three Mandarin bait and switch. And that was, uh, the inclusion of the air quotes recasted Pietro in one division. I liked the recasted Pietro. I liked it too until it completely fell apart with what it actually was. Oh, the fact that he was a, a person in the town that had his memory usurped. Yes, that was a cheap friggin' move on Marvel's part, and they know it. Uh, you do not cast that actor in that role and have him show up in this project and not expect fans to read into it exactly what we read into it, which is, holy shit, is the X-Men universe now part of the MCU? Did we just tear a fissure in reality, in uh, time and space? How did this happen? Uh, there were references about the Nexus, so we were all reading into that, thinking, oh my god, this just blew the doors of the MCU wide open. This is crazy. And then in the last episode, it's revealed that nope, the Ralph that we keep hearing mention of, that's him. He's Ralph Boner. Isn't that so, funny, guys? It's really just so, a Boner joke. So, so hang on. So okay. first of all, the entire time I watched this and whenever I saw uh, uh, the new Pietro came in, I was, I was very happy. And never once did I think, oh, they're bringing the 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 old x-men universe into canon i did not think that at all that never occurred to my mind i thought you know they they want to bring this character in because you know uh, yeah they've got the rights to the x-men stuff now and they want to bring him in they want to have him because it's funny we could possibly use him in the future so we'll stick him in and it's cool um but I, and when it when it when it was revealed that his name was Ralph Boner, okay, I'll grant you the joke was dumb. But um, I, I feel like going forward, if they wanted to reuse him as as a new Quicksilver, that 
you could write it quite easily that there's still residual from whatever happened here and it's not that big a deal. Um, I wasn't like giddy that they brought him in because personally I thought the Age of Ultron Pietro was a much better casting than 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 what Evan Peters is that his name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I never once thought, oh hey, they're they're making the other stuff canon. No, I I, I never now thought. hold on. I I didn't think that all of the weird ass stupid Fox X-Men stuff was suddenly going to be canon. The theory, if you listen to this show, the theory we had working, uh, Don Bacon and myself, was that Wanda, through her subconsciousness, was trying to bring back her brother, but she can't bring back the dead. She even says so herself. So her powers, being chaos, energy, scarlet witch, messing with time and space powers, found another Pietro and plucked him and brought him to this timeline. Now, what I thought was happening in this show will eventually happen in another show we'll get to. But at the time, I thought, okay, here we go. We're blowing this thing wide open. We're doing the, you know, some kind of multiverse or merging timelines or, you know, the, 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 the maybe the X-Men. Again, not that the X-Men would be in the same continuity as this, but that somehow there'd be some kind of crossover that we just ripped a hole in the multiverse and that'll set up things to come. Nope, just a boner joke. My anger subsided a bit when we got to Loki, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, overall, I really enjoyed WandaVision more than I thought I would. Uh, it was fun. The mystery element was cool. It kept me watching and rewatching episodes. Uh, it delivered on that big Marvel uh, action stuff you want. It really set up Wanda in a really cool place going forward and put her sort of in, in a, a prime position to take on a much bigger role in the MCU going forward. Um Overall, thumbs up. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was fun. I've watched it twice, and talking about it now makes me want to watch it again. Um, I'll be honest. I, I didn't realize until my second watch through that um, the new Captain Marvel lady. Photon. Uh, Photon, whatever you want to call uh, like her. Like a rainbow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize she was the kid from uh, 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 Captain Marvel until the second watching. Well... I'll give you that because it's, I mean, it's not like it's the same actress. It's, it's, she's playing the same character, but yeah, so I'll call that fair. Well, but also things go over my head. You know, I don't, I don't actually understand most of. Anything. And man, the music in WandaVision was spectacular. Oh, Scott, did you want to say something with the music in WandaVision? There's music? <laughs> there it is. I don't. Uh... I don't think they had any music in one. I don't think the MCU no, has. Definitely any. didn't have any super catchy 1960s uh, sitcom esque theme songs that got stuck in my head for weeks on end. In all honesty, I, I I know we're making somewhat of an inside joke about my inability to 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 to, to consciously register the score of whatever I'm watching, but I honestly <laughs> cannot remember any bit of music from any MCU like TV show or anything I've watched recently at all. Not even Agatha all along. No, that was like number one on iTunes for like two weeks, man. Uh, um, the only, I'll tell you this from the entire MCU, the entirety. And, and I know there's scores, you know, I know there's music, there has to be music, but I don't consciously register music when I'm watching it. Cause I focus on dialogue and other, other things. 
But the only piece of music that I can remember when I think of the MCU is the ACDC song from Avengers when oh, Iron God. Man. Oh, that's your okay. Interesting. That's it. Like like nothing else stands out to me. I'm still waiting to hear ACDC's uh, Thunder in uh, a Thor movie somewhere. Well, I think, uh, anyway. I think the MCU needs to go the route of Star Trek uh, with uh, Sabotage. Just because you want to hear Sabotage more? I mean, I'm not going to hate on it. I love me some Beastie Boys. Uh, but that being said, a WandaVision was a great first step, great outing. It was uh, exactly what people were looking for. Um, even when it wasn't, it was a really entertaining, really fun show, which leads us to our next phase four project, which I think is going to be a bit more mixed. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Scott, what did you think? I absolutely loved the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I enjoyed it more than one of And I say this because. So, first of all, the, the, the whole show has pretty much uh, a great action movie feel to it. I'm not saying it doesn't have its missteps, but I can watch uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan on screen as those characters all day long. Just just the therapy session alone. <laughs> I can watch an entire movie of those two in couples therapy. Great. Well, Doc, thanks for making it weird. They have an amazing buddy cop Riggs and Murtaugh uh, back and forth that I really, really, really hope we carry forward into the uh, fourth Captain America movie. Um, No, yeah, I'm with you, dude. My biggest disappointment uh, with with that first episode is Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan don't share a scene together at all. Because as soon as they get together at the beginning of episode two, like the show just cranks itself up to 11. Uh, they have that great like rigs and buddy cop mentality. It, it's it's so great. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, their their on screen chemistry is the stuff dreams are made of when it when it comes to to this type of thing. And um, I, I mean, I love them on screen. I love the whole thing. And in all honesty, the the episode where Bucky is helping. Um, Sam train with the shield and come to terms with that whole thing and 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 is is one of the most beautiful character development things ever on both characters parts and it really it 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 is a beautiful payoff to a to a, a relationship dynamic that was set up in Winter Soldier not I'm sorry not Winter Soldier uh sorry uh Civil War you know, when when they're in the car and everything together, and mm-hmm. it was it was it was wonderful. At that moment, when when he's practicing with the shield and he and you know he and Bucky are talking and and Bucky just you know comes to the whole thing that literally, you know, when you gave away the shield is like, you kind of gave away the only connection I have to the modern world, and it was, oh God, I I loved it. I just I'm like, this is how you tell a story. Yeah. No, it it beautifully built off of everything that had come before. 
uh, and and felt like the most natural uh, continuation. And I think they did a great job of addressing a lot of some of the, and there wasn't a lot of this, but there was definitely some fan backlash in Endgame when we skip over Bucky being Cap and go right to Sam Wilson. And I can, to a degree, kind of understand that. Um, but I thought this show did a great job of dealing with Sam's evolution from being the Falcon to taking on the mantle of Captain America, what that means to him, what that means to the world. And yeah, you could have done that in a two hour movie, I guess, but I like the fact that we got six hours to let that really simmer and really explore what that meant. And it brings me to what I think is one of the best, one of the top two things this show did, which is introduce the character of Isaiah Bradley the original super soldier before Steve and bring in that whole ugly history of the super soldier project. Um, as, as soon as, as soon as Bucky says, there's someone you need to meet. And we cut to that neighborhood. I, I kind of, I sat up in my seat and I was like, are we going here? Are we really doing this? Cause like this shit gets ugly. Like this, this is not, you know, popcorn movie summer or popcorn summer movie throw entertainment stuff like this is about to get heavy and get real yep we're going there um, and it was well, go ahead well i'm sorry so yeah the isaiah bradley was was a, was an awesome inclusion to this however i i the whole isaiah bradley thing the entire time i'm watching it you know i'm like i really really want him have some kind of a big redemption thing and just kick some ass or something and, and we really didn't get that in uh the series mm-hmm. and i know i don't think falcon and winter soldier has been announced for a second season but i think they've hinted at or announced a possible movie for them there's no hinting they full-on announced cap oh, four uh, okay. the, the same day, the last episode of this show aired, they announced Cap 4 is happening, yeah, which will know. essentially be our season two. Yeah, I don't know if you realize or not, I'm, I, I'm not very in the know hey, on hey. stuff. That's why you have me, buddy. Um, it is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the fact that you, uh, you, you, you keep me updated on that stuff, and it's awesome. Um, but I really want Isaiah Bradley to get some kind of a, you know, a, a scene to shine, a moment to shine where he comes back and says, yeah, you know what? I'm still here. Fuck you. You know? Well, I think, again, I, I don't think we're done with this character in the same way that I know we're not done with, with, with the new, the white vision. Um, it just sounds so racist to say white vision. Um, <laughs> with the new vision. Um, Cause I know as soon as this character came up and he'd be, we, I love how they, um, sort of retconned that character a bit from his comic book iteration to fit into the timeline of the MCU a bit e- more easily. Um, I love that they hint at there's a, a backstory with him and Bucky implying he's the one who took Bucky's arm. Um, I want that story. I want the story of, of him doing missions in World War II. I want more of this character. And I, I think the the really the genius thing, um, not just... The, the character was written beautifully, was acted beautifully. Me and Don did a whole episode on this, so I don't want to rehash too much of this, but Isaiah Bradley was done wonderfully. Um, what was even, to me, sort of like the cherry on the on the uh, cake of the whole Isaiah Bradley thing 
is that we introduced his grandson, whose name I'm blanking on now, uh, Eli, who in the comics goes on to become a character called Patriot in the Young Avengers. And it's sort of a, sort of, sort of, a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader kind of thing in that Isaiah kind of gets redeemed through Eli a little bit. Um, which I think in, in, in the show, they framed it more as Isaiah gets redeemed through Sam a bit of, of we're now at a place where a black man can be Captain America publicly. He's not hidden and locked away. Um, interesting parallels between Isaiah and Red Guardian, things that are just popping up in my head now. Um, oh, really interesting. Okay, we're, we're going to circle back to that. Um, but no, I, I, all the possibilities that character opens up uh, about the the further history of this program and and things we don't know. Like, you know, we, we thought we were very entrenched into the Steve, Super Soldier, Erskine, Red Skull, all that back. Then. Yeah, we're, we're good. We established all that. We're good. That's all out of the way. And then this movie kind of comes in and goes, yeah, you really don't. Like, there, there's there's tons of stuff about this that we you really don't know and and that are ripe for exploration. And I'm really excited to see where we go with that. Well, I mean, Ant-Man gave us a glimpse of an entire era of the MCU story, the MCU timeline that we're never seeing. And that is, you know, the basically the 70s, 80s uh, uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, mm -hmm. where you see young uh, Hank Pym uh, with a, uh, a, a, I guess, a middle-aged Peggy Carter and uh, a Howard Stark and uh, a young um, uh, Thunderbolt Ross and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything. There's this whole era that we're really not privy to, and we're getting glimpses of it here and there, but nothing major. Uh, um, but, yeah, the, everything, they're, they're, they're filling in this, this, this middle ground between World War II and modern time mm -hmm. that ha is rife with story. I mean, we we get a little bit of uh, 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 we get a little bit more of that era in 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 Black Widow, but um, no full stories yet from that time period. And which is which is why, in my opinion, it is a complete travesty that that Agent Carter was canceled after season two, and Agents of Shield got to keep going. Yeah, um, I really the thing I kept saying about Agent Carter as much as I love uh, the two seasons we got was that they really needed, really needed to make a time jump into the sixties when shield is getting up and running and do a, a show all about the origins of shield, especially once we learned that Hank and Janet were operating as Ant-Man and Wasp in the sixties. Yeah. All the cold war stuff you could do with that. We could have gotten, we could have gotten red guardian in the proper sixties fighting off against an Isaiah Bradley Captain America in a black ops mission in the Cold War. Like, just so many amazing possibilities. And, and and not to say that we can't ever go back and do that. We can. We can absolutely go back and do that. And I want to see that. Um, I would love to see a, a pre-Avengers MCU in the 60s. Uh, you know, like the, the Avengers before they were... We had an Avengers of the characters that were... You know, we, we mentioned... Um, 
in Ant-Man 2, they talk about uh, Lawrence Fishburne. He comes in as his Project Goliath. So at one point, he had the giant man serum. Like, give me an Avengers in the 60s with, like, the goofiest Avengers you can think of. Ant-Man, Wasp, Goliath. Uh, who else we got? Bring Isaiah, you know, let Isaiah out of, uh, out of, out of uh, military prison for, for a, a mission. Like, give me that group, man. Um, I'll watch that. Now, the, the problem with that, of course, sorry, the problem with that, of course, is um, I don't know if you would be able to get um, should I get my, uh, Michael Douglas and uh, I don't care. Recast it. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I'm fine with recasting them. I don't care about that. But, you know, Disney, of course, really likes to have everybody under contract and 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 keep the people in the same characters as possible. Now, I know they've said, you know, they, they made the announcement that going forward, um, their standard contracts for, for actors is, is going to be different. They're not signing the large picture deals and stuff. And, and uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, I, I believe that's because they're introducing, you know, the multiverse. And so now we have a vehicle to show different actors in the same roles without a lot of undue explanation. The other thing that we have to talk about with Falcon Winter Soldier, and the thing I was most worried about going into it, um, is is how they would handle this character because he very easily could have been handled in a, a poorly. Was their handling of John Walker as the new Captain America, and every step of the way, I think they made the right decision with this character. I really, really enjoyed this character. Well, good. Sorry, the one thing I loved about the way they did with John Walker is the way they handled Scott. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Did we lose you again? Okay, uh, I didn't lose you, so. Okay. If you want to note the time and stuff, we can carry on. I got you, you're good. I got you. So, uh, the one thing I loved about the way they did John Walker, I, first of all, you know, I, I love the fact that they bring in a, a, a sympathetic character, the so you understand where he's coming from when he makes his decisions, but the the uh, is the real brilliance of it, and and I think we're going to see a payoff of this later. Is not so much in what we saw in Winter Soldier, but in in the treatment and how they handled of his Bucky, which is uh, what the hell is his name? Ba- Battlestar. Battlestar. Yeah, yep. because literally, just like Steve Rogers. He loses his best friend. And we're going to see John Walker affected by this, just like Steve Rogers was, but he's going to go in exactly the opposite direction. It, it, it's, it's a dichotomy. It, you know, Steve Rogers, John Walker, Bucky, Battlestar, two sides of the exact same coin from a storytelling aspect. And yeah, and I thought... It's going to be beautiful when they have the payoff. Sorry. I I thought what was really interesting about the character is because, again, it's the easy part with this character is making people hate him. He's not Steve and he's saying he's Captain America. People are already going to hate him. And by that, I mean fans who who love Steve were already going to hate him because he's not Steve. And what I love about what they did with the character is even though he does some things that superheroes aren't supposed to do. I don't think he does anything that anyone else in in his position wouldn't do. I don't think he even did anything necessarily all that wrong. And I think what's genius about the character is they make him sympathetic enough that 
you understand why he's not right to be Captain America, but we don't villainize him. He's not evil. He's just not Steve. Uh, we we yeah. set up his background as a you know, very decorated, very experienced uh, um, combat veteran. Who So he sees situations in a different way than Steve does. Uh, and, and that's, you know, the, it's sort of the difference between that idealized greatest generation World War II era of soldier and a modern war on terror post 9-11 kind of. They're going to come at the same situation in two different ways. Yeah. And there's a, a level of uh, violence and I'll say collateral damage maybe that modern era we're more okay with that the greatest generation, at least our idealized version of the greatest generation isn't okay with. Um, the big difference thing is, is, is kill a guy who just helped kill his best friend. I don't think any of us in the same situation, especially hopped up on super soldier serum wouldn't do the same thing. Uh, his problem was he did it out in public. Uh, and, and that's why I love when they bring in, um, Valentina Contessa, whatever, um, Madam Hydra at the end when she says like, no one's mad at you for what you did. We're not even saying it was wrong. We're a little mad you did it in front of cameras, but, um, I loved that mentality. Well, uh, and I think they gave, they also give him a great redemption, uh, which gets overlooked a lot in that last episode, which is you know, he comes, he comes back into the fray ostensibly to get revenge and justice for Battlestar's death. He's going to get the guy who actually took out Battlestar. And he has a moment where he can chase that person or he can help a truckload of innocent people. And in that moment, he throws down the shield and helps try to hold that truck up. I think that was a great moment to show his true character to sort of set him on a redemptive path, which again, he he's, he's not right to replace Steve, but he's not a bad guy. He's not evil. It's very easily could have gone the other way of him just being full out, you know, another Red Skull, basically. And I'm I'm really glad they they showed restraint on that and and really humanized the character in the way they did. It. Well, yeah, I mean, I I yeah, I love what they did with John Walker. He, he, he was he was beautiful. Uh, he's a great character uh, and 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 everything. But yeah, I just I I still love like I said the the two sides of the same coin the. The allusions to the same. He's in the same situation Steve was, but he's not. And 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 his his, his reactions to that are completely different. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I, I agree that that they, they didn't villainize him in this one. I'm curious to see what they're going to do going forward with. Uh, uh, what they obviously haven't announced as the Thunderbolts. I think it's going to be really interesting with his character because I, I think we're going to see him, we're going to carry through the, the, the line we introduced in this story of, and again, hopefully, I, I don't know anything, we, we haven't announced the Thunderbolts, but I feel like we're building towards that definitely, but, or Dark Avengers or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. We're going to see him get up to that point where, you know, just like Steve, there's a line he won't cross. His, his line might be further down than Steve's was, but there's a line he won't cross, and I think we're going to see him pushed right up to that line with the Thunderbolts. And that's going to be really interesting to see what they, how the character reacts to that. Uh, I think he's he's 
Now, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, sorry, go go ahead and finish your John Walker thought, because then my next one is not John Walker's. Okay. I just um, lost it. Go ahead. Sorry. I I didn't mean to. I timed that wrong. Um, So regardless of John Walker, there's one other thing that that, that I think needs to be mentioned with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that is their treatment of Baron Zemo. Ah, uh, I mean, properly Baron Zemo. Now. Yes, I mean the the fact that we get you know we get Baron Zemo full on with the coat and the purple mask and everything, and it's beautiful. I love his motivations. I love where he's going, uh, and and the, the the actor just does a wonderful job with the character all the way through this. My only regret on this whole thing is that we do not get proper Baron Zemo facing off against Steve. You know? I mean, we, we, we get we get the character, we get Baron Zemo, of course, with with uh, uh, Steve in Age of Ultron. Is it Age of Ultron? No, it's not Age of Ultron. Sorry. No. Um, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. No, 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 no. Civil War. Goddamn, they all already got it. They do. Yeah, but he's not proper, you know, Baron Zemo yet. He's still there, and he's still good, but just that imagery, the way he does in this movie, God, I would have loved to have seen... I would have loved to have seen him and Steve being forced to work together to to, to get to... Because where their goals momentarily align and, and everything. But I'm happy with where we're at, and I whatever they wind up doing, once again, I think this is one of those characters, he's coming back. We don't oh, definitely. Yeah, we don't set that up and not bring him back for a, a large payoff, which I still think is going to be his payoff is going to be in the uh, uh, the Thunderbolt slash Dark Avengers hybrid esque MCU version. So, but I I love him. Yeah. Uh, the only negative thing I have to say about Falcon Winter Soldier, and this may not necessarily even be their fault, their actual villain for the season, uh, the Flag Smashers. Start out okay and go nowhere quickly. Uh, the motivations for these people get so muddied and confused by the end of it. I don't know why we're supposed to be fighting against them or why Sam refuses to throw a punch against them. It's And I feel like and there's a rumor floating around that uh, Marvel ended up having to cut a whole um, storyline that there's a a disease moving through the, the refugee camps. Um, and that's what ended up killing the mentor figure to the uh, Carly character. And, and that all got cut because of Corona. Um, I don't know that that's true, but it makes sense because I feel like something is missing with these characters and their motivations because they start with necessarily, okay, I can kind of, you know, their whole thing is the world was better during the snap. Okay, I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from. Less people, more reset, more uh, more resources, more opportunities. They, you know, just like people came back, now they've been displaced. Okay, I can, I can kind of see where they, it's a good seed. Where, where are you going with this? And and the answer is nowhere. We're going nowhere with this. It quickly jumps to now we're stealing super soldier serum, to now we're bombing buildings. To like I I just, I don't get it. I don't get how we go from A to B. Uh, with with this character because there's something's missing in their motivation. Uh, 
Um, that or it wasn't conveyed well enough because I watched the whole series twice and I'm still confused. Uh, so yeah. that's my big my big ding for them is their villains are, are and maybe they were better beforehand. I don't know, but they're missing something. Well, yeah, and and I agree with that. I mean, I like the fact that they tried to make Flag Smasher into an uh, an organization versus a person, right? Uh, and, and it works in that regard, um, but pretty much everything that is positive about the Falcon and Winter Soldier is all character driven. It's all about mm-hmm. the characters. When you look at it from a story standpoint, yeah, it does fall apart a little bit. There's there's lots of plot holes. It's kind of all over the place story wise. But uh, personally, and I'm I'm just speaking for me. You know, other people may not like it because of this, but um, I'm fine with that because I'm I'm very character uh, I'm very character oriented. I just want to see my favorite characters on screen and have a good arc. Uh, and, and I think the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier does that very well, so I like it personally. So, all right. Uh, any last thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier? I think Anthony Mackie looks great in that new cap suit. He does. Um, I also I also like the uh, the behind the scenes featurette that they have for the different shows. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they showed the CGI that goes into making that 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 suit work on camera, because if you when you have that you know tight of like spandex, latex, rubber, whatever the the material is they use, like when he turns his head, it doesn't it doesn't work well. There are gaps, and so they CGI out the gaps. Yeah, I, I love that. That that's just that that kills me every time I watch At it. The infuriation of any cosplayer. Um, yeah, no, uh, I was, I was, we all kind of had a, we all knew this is where we were heading. Um, I'm glad we gave it time to breathe. I'm glad we gave it a moment to really kind of be its thing. Um, and, and I love that the, the big kind of conclusion to this story thread was, uh, and it's very subtle, but as, as they're walking off after the final battle, you just hear Bucky call Sam Cap. Yeah, that was it, again. It was a really subtle thing. It did. It didn't. You know, the music didn't swell, and it wasn't a big close up on Sebastian Sanders. It was very just subtle in the moment, but just that was the final seal of approval Sam needed to, to the the final. Yep, you are Cap. Uh, it was great. I loved it. Now I, I will say. So you were talking about fans being all pissed off about the fact that Sam became the new Captain America and not Bucky. Mm. Uh, because I believe in the in the comics, after the quote-unquote death of Captain America, Bucky was Cap for a while. Yeah. Before, before Sam gets the mantle. Until Bucky's quote-unquote death. <laughs> yeah, until Bucky's quote-unquote yeah. death. But, you know, so everybody, every fan was expecting Bucky to become the new Captain America in this series. Yeah, we know that 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 Steve gave the shield to Sam at the end of Endgame, but everybody going into this was, oh, something's going to happen. Bucky's going to become the new Captain America, and everything. And of course, um, uh, 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 the the series really just turned that on its side and said, no, we're going with Sam and everything. All I can say in parting is, I really hope, like you know. When it comes to subverting span, uh, span, 
fan expectations and, and kind of going in the opposite direction and, and, and telling fans, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, there's a way to do it right. And there's a way to do it wrong. And I really hope Rian Johnson was, was paying attention with Cap uh, and, and, and Winter, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. Just, just saying. Uh, that's a bait I'm not going to take. So moving on. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go ahead and close out our Disney Plus series with the most recent, at the time of this recording, uh, just wrapped uh, a few weeks ago, all six episodes, Loki, which is, of these three, the show that I was the most, why, when they announced it? I mean, I know why. Everyone loves Loki. We got to have more Loki. Can't have Loki die off. Got to have Loki. Um, as a Thor fan, I'm like, no, no, you cannot have Loki. It'll be fine. It's, it's, he had a great character arc through the entire MCU up till this point, from the first film where he just wants power and, and, and his stepdad's approval to his rebellious, you know, teenage years and Avengers and and comes full circle in Ragnarok and you know being the hero and I'm I'm you know that scene in the elevator with him and Thor and uh, yeah I've I always thought the world of you brother you'll always be the god of mischief but you could be so much more and then his his last final sacrifice where he's trying to stall and and goes for the throat of Thanos um only to be have it snatched away from him had a great 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 character arc and then as soon as he disappears with that goddamn tesseract in endgame I was like, oh, right, great, because we can't just be done with Loki. We got to have more Loki. <sighs> Haven't well, you had enough Loki? Seriously, well, he's in know, every freaking movie. You know, I watched Endgame, and, like, literally, he disappeared with the, the, the quote-unquote Tesseract, the Space Jam, and I, I saw that, and I'm like, oh, wow, we get more Loki. This is so awesome. I mean, I was really upset when we weren't going to get more Loki. I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me. I'm glad with one thing. Well, okay, I, that being said, right away in the first episode, we had the moment where Loki, uh, because it, and, and here's what frustrated me, is the Loki we're seeing in the series is not the same Loki we've been on this whole journey with. So while everyone's like, oh, this is such an interesting story opportunity, like, no, it's not. You just rewound his entire character uh, uh, journey to this point, his entire emotional journey, all his development, his growth. We just hit the rewind button and we went went back to a post Avengers on him. That's not interesting. That's why are we going backwards? The show did a very good job of taking it in a different direction. Uh, right away from that first episode, when we have Loki sort of catching up on what his history is supposed to be in the sacred timeline and his realization of I can't go back. And when he when he had that realization and, and said those words out loud, I I was much more on board with with the rest of the show because okay good, we're kind of pulling a Coulson. In that, um, Loki's still around, but I don't think we're we're not going to see him interact with Thor again. As far as Thor is concerned, Loki is dead. Uh, just, just like as far as any movie in the MCU is concerned, Coulson died in Avengers. Um, screw off little tv show on abc no one cared about he's still dead uh and, and that was the, I, I felt a bit of a relief because okay we're not just going to shoehorn loki back in uh because fans can't let him die even though he had a great death and a great character arc. Uh, so at that point i was able to just kind of sit back and okay so now that you've got this reverted loki what are you going to do with him 
And Scott, what did you think of what they do with him? Well, Scott. I, I'm here. I, I'm thinking. So I've only watched through Loki once. And I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not a big fan of the alternate character, the, the alternate Loki story. Okay. I, I'm just not. I know why they did it. I, I, I got nothing against the writing. And I, but personally, I love more with what they did with the TVA, with Kang, and the timeline than I cared about Loki. Um, when it when it comes to Loki in this series, um, uh, oh shit, I can't remember the actor's name, the one that played comic Loki. You know. Oh, that yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like him more than I like regular Loki. I like female Loki more than I like regular Loki. Yeah, he kind of gets lost in his own show. Um, he does. He doesn't show a, re- a better character arc and, and a better story in the regular MCU than he does in this. I was mostly upset because I really thought the 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 whole show would be what we basically got in episode five, which is Loki going from different timeline to different timeline, encountering variants of himself and really just sort of playing and having fun with the idea of a multiverse. Uh, I thought that was going to be the premise of the whole show while he's chasing after this variant of himself and encountering other different timelines um, and screwing things up along the way. And it wasn't. It was a much, much slower, more deliberate show. Uh, very talky, which is simultaneously appropriate for Loki and also kind of boring. Um, Loki's never been the character here. Like, oh, man, this will be a cool fight. Loki's in it. Like, No, that's not what Loki's there for. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's the silver tongued devil. And he kind of gets moments to play that throughout the show. But they they try to push him in sort of a leading man action hero role. And I just don't think it it's right for the character of Loki. But yes, that episode where we do finally get to meet the variants of Loki, uh, Kid Loki, Boastful Loki, Classic Loki, Gator Loki. Uh, that episode was fantastic. That's what I wanted to see in the whole show. Um, and man, that last stand of Classic Loki. Some oh, yeah. of the best, best MCU moments. Some of the be- most literal comic put on screen moments the MCU has done. Yeah, the, the the last stand of classic Loki was wonderful. I I really want to see him again. I don't know if we will or not, but uh, he was great. Uh, I have to say, I hate, hate, hate alligator Loki because I hate, hate, hate Spider Pig. But it's just Spider Pig. It's, it's, a, it's an alligator with Loki horns on. He doesn't actually do anything. He doesn't talk. He's, he's just, oh, look at this cute little animal version. I don't give two shits. But Scott, there is one cameo in Loki series that for me forgives it of all its sins. And it is another animal. I'm talking about the blinking you'll miss it on screen 
for about three seconds, Throg, the Thor frog. He's canon. It exists. I just, I, I don't, I don't worth get the it. whole, worth anth- the whole series. The anthropomorphic animal version of our heroes. I don't get it. I don't know why people love them. I don't. I don't care. It, it would be almost like it would be tantamount to Paramount coming out with tantamount to Paramount. <laughs> it would be it would be that them coming out with an entire Star Trek series of Star Trek cats. Fuck Star Trek cats. I, I don't wasn't that already a thing? Yes, but that's what I'm saying. It's if we actually made a series of them. Ah, okay. Let me start your cats. Who cares if they're cats? Just give me Star Trek. The problem is they're cats, and I hate cats. But a frog with a hammer. Ah! No, here's here's why I love it. It is one of those absurd things that 10 years ago, I would have bet you a million dollars, you're never going to see Thor Frog Throg. In an MCU project, we're never going to get that goofy with it. We got that goofy with it. I just, first of all, I'm an Uber Thor nerd, and that was a reference I never thought we'd see on screen. And there it was on screen briefly, albeit. Um, and yeah, Alligator Loki, okay, fine. Uh, he'll sell some toys, he'll sell some figures. Uh, <laughs> I do love that Morbius is very curious about it. It's like, what is that? Is that, a, is that a variant? Are you sure it's a variant? Um, he was very taken aback by that, uh, and I appreciated that. But uh, just, uh, the fact that we're getting a whole second season, uh, I was sort of like, okay, well, I don't. Again, this season was very slow, very deliberately paced. Uh, I feel like it's still kind of. It felt the most like here's the first season of a show, and it's still trying to find its feet, even though the main character is someone we sort of already know and is kind of already established. Uh, this is a different version of him. So I feel like this series is still kind of finding its its footing. I'm excited to see where we'll go for season two. Um, but that being said, Scott, you're a TVA guy. You're a Kang guy. We teased at the beginning of the show. What did you think of our first meeting with a version of Kang? Oh, I loved it. Um, the entire time he was sitting behind his desk and he was doing his thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I was just seeing him in the, 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 the purple and blue, I guess, I guess is this kind of colors, purple and blue with that helmet, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. This is K. This guy's good. And when he says, you think I'm evil, wait till you meet my variants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, the whole thing with him being a master of time and every time the Loki's, tried to attack him or kill him and he would just teleport away. He's like, how do you think I can dodge you? <laughs> I've seen all this. I've prepped for it. I, I, I know what's going to happen before it happened up until he gets to the point where his demeanor changes. And he's like, okay, now we're past the point where I know what's going to happen. That was a great moment. Um, and, 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 and in those moments in that entire scene, I'm like, I just, I want to see this actor more in this in this role. He's beautifully cast, and I love the fact that I assume we will see multiple versions of this character. And they don't, they never even referred to him as Kang. He's um, was it he they, who remains? I think is what they call him. But the closest we get is when he calls himself a Re- conqueror. Yeah, a conqueror. That's the closest we get to Kang. 
But I love that. Again, it Loki at the end when they kill he who remains and the timeline starts to fracture and the TVA is not there to prune it all. That is the moment I thought we were going to lead up to in WandaVision, which is from this point on, all the doors are open, all the bets are off, nothing is off limits, nothing is too crazy. We are in full-on comic book mode of you want to do something, it can work now because we are we are we have kicked wide the doors of the multiverse. And I'm excited to see uh, a lot more of this actor playing different, what I assume will be different variations of Kang uh, before we eventually get to the full-on Kang the Conqueror. It's a great, great way to set up what I am assuming will be our cosmic threat going forward for Phase 4 into Phase 5. I don't know. Our our new Thanos, essentially, is Kang the Conqueror. while we're at the same time sort of building up a, a street-level big bad in Madame Hydra, Valentina, Contessa, whatever, um, p- putting together some kind of Thunderbolts, Dark Avengers group. I, I love that we have those multiple, those, those two tandem storylines carrying themselves out uh, for big threats down the road. Yeah, uh, the last couple of episodes of Loki, I thought were great. Everything up to that, I could kind of leave. Um, seeing the TVA was interesting and fun, but it, it felt also at the same time kind of Men in Black, um, yeah. Beetlejuice, Department of the Afterlife, like little elements of lots of other things I'd already seen before. Yeah. Well, I liked seeing the TVA because, like I said, I've been looking forward to the TVA forever and. Uh, when we watched Endgame, and when everybody watched Endgame, everybody came out of Endgame going, "I don't, I don't understand how that could happen," and blah blah blah. There's plot holes, and I'm like, "Well, if if you account for the TVA, then it makes perfect sense." Um, and, and people and, stared at you weird, and were like, "The what? Who now?" Yeah, exactly. And that's when Scott what? was like, "Oh, I've been reading ahead of the class." Yeah. Sorry. Uh, this is yeah. So. <laughs> The TVA that we get in Loki is not the TVA from the comics. Okay. Because so the the, the TVA in the in, in the comics was it literally oversaw it, it didn't try to, to maintain a single timeline. It oversaw the multiverse. It actually created branch timelines. So if there was if there was a time travel event that caused a um a, a a a breach of causality meaning that the effect came before the cause anything that would cause a paradox okay um, okay then the tva what they would do is they would step in and they would go okay we've got a paradox event here this can't happen so what we need to do is we need to branch this off into its own timeline and literally a new caseworker would be assigned to that timeline and they would let that timeline quote unquote die on the the die on the vine and by die on the vine mean meaning they would let it play out until uh it it was it it destroyed itself through um uh uh, just uh, the first law of thermodynamics and um uh that could take eons but they they had a they had a caseworker for it each timeline had its own caseworker and uh, and, and its own field agent and everything. So uh, literally a new one would be created. So instead of trying to destroy other timelines, 
and and maintain a, a, a sacred timeline, they would literally just just monitor the time stream. And if there was a causality uh, a problem, then they would create a new timeline, let it branch off, let it do its own thing. That way, the main timeline is, or the 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 core timeline that it branched off from would maintain. Now, but you also have to realize, so the 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 TVA that we get in Loki is very militant. You know, you've got this whole militant thing, and and the time the TVA in the comics was very bureaucratic. There's elements of bureaucracy in in the in, in Loki, but it's much more militant. But you also have to realize that the 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 multiverse war that they're talking about is the second secret wars in the comic, and oh. and the place that that people get sent to when they're pruned, you know mm-hmm. that, the that, void. that the void is battle world. Oh, so. Yeah, they're, they're taking elements of the second secret wars, which culminated in battle wars and the collapsing of the the the, the comic timeline into one single timeline uh, in the comics that has already occurred. So literally. Um, and, and if this is true, I actually I my hat is off to Marvel because they created the MCU. So traditionally in the comics. The primary Marvel timeline, the primary primary Marvel reality was Marvel 616. Yes. And we got Marvel 616 teased, and I say that with air quotes a little bit, in the second Spider-Man movie with the Mysterio thing, which we know to be a ruse. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, when the MCU hit big and it was firing on all cylinders... The, they they changed the comics a bit to try to more align with the movies, and I understand why they did this because they're they're trying to bring they're trying to bring fans from the movies into the comics and movies from and fans from the comics into the movies. They're trying to they're trying to kind of universalize everything, and um, I, no one that I'm aware of has touched on this. So what they did was they, they, they created a, they had an overarching story arc called Secret Wars. And it was actually the second one. The first one was back in the 80s. And that's where we get, you, know, you have the Beyonder and Doom. And You're talking get, about the storyline where the heroes literally broke time? No, 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 no. Secret Wars, they're actually, all the heroes and villains are taken to two different constructed planets by the Beyonder. Okay. Then there's another Secret Wars you haven't read. Well, there's Secret War. Mm-hmm. Not a secret war, secret war. Okay. I don't, I don't remember a third secret wars. I remember the original and then this one. But okay. this one, the second one, is when they break time, and and literally all of the uh, all of the different timeline versions are on Battle World, which you have different sections of the planet because all the timelines collapse into one. And at the end it emerges as one timeline and it was very close aligned to the MCU. Okay. Is that the one you're thinking of? Well, where, where doom was missing for a while afterwards. Maybe. Okay. So here's There's the... actually so what I'm talking about were two different events. There was the secret wars, which then led off to battle worlds, which had a whole bunch of different tie-ins. Uh-huh. Uh, but basically what happened is, forget what triggered it 
somebody went back in time to try to fix something and literally shattered time. Yes. And and the world we were that everyone was in for for this miniseries was essentially a deck of cards that had been spilled yeah. onto the floor and we sort of shuffled them together to make something new and yep. doom was ruling over it yep. and out of yeah so there but there were also a group of heroes who were in a, a a pocket that wasn't affected by that who were trying to come in and put things back to the way they knew it yep. and we essentially reshuffled reality like a deck of cards yeah. Um, which is why we ended up with two Mjolnirs. Exactly. Because yeah. at the at the end of that, the Ultimates timeline ceased to exist. Uh, even though Evil Reed from the from the Ultimates timeline came into the Prime because they bring brought that character mm-hmm. over. Um, Miles the, Morales transferred over. Miles Morales transferred over. So literally, um, you have this 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 this. Uh, Epoch's event in, in, in Secret Wars, which is the second Secret Wars. Okay. Uh, the second event called Secret Wars. Let's put there it you go. Um, um, that collapses the Marvel multiverse into one timeline. Okay. That event in the comics, which happened concurrently with, with phase one and two of the MCU, because they're trying to align everything, that event in the comics is what Loki refers to as the multiverse war. The the sacred timeline is what the comics collapsed into. Oh. So literally, the MCU is that timeline after the Secret Wars event. And the MCU is what occurs between that. There's like a very niche. They, they, they ported the MCU into the comics timeline with secret wars and now what we're seeing going into phase four is where the comics emerge so if you take secret wars the end of secret wars okay in the comics right okay wars ends boom we're done with that miniseries now you watch the mcu at the end of phase three and loki with the end of loki and probably basically what i'm calling the transition stuff from phase three to phase four, which is going to be, you know, uh, Wanda and, and everything and Loki. Scott, and, this is phase four. You can call it whatever you want. This is phase four. I, I know. And, and I get that. But, but just me personally, this is just personal canon to me. Um, but Loki and Multiverse of Madness coming into phase four is where the comics pick up after Secret Wars. So there's this there's this, there's this niche that is phase one, two and three of the MCU. They canonized, they, they, they aligned, they, not only did they align the comics with the MCU, but they aligned the MCU with the comics. And it's, well, that's very interesting. I don't think it lines up the way you think it does, but that's a very interesting theory, sir. Um, put a pin in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I have I, not I, done, that requires homework I haven't done yet. <laughs> Stop reading ahead of the class, Scott. I can't help it, it's who I am. But no, lots of very interesting things um, spilling out of the end of Loki. <clears throat> setting up lots of things. Uh, so yeah, I, I, phase four is on track to be, you know, people keep complaining about, you know, the the phase, Marvel stuff seems so small now after Endgame. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're building back up to it. I have no doubts that 
when we get to the really epic cosmic stuff. And I think where we are headed is another multiversal multiversal war. Um, it's gonna it's gonna dwarf Endgame with the possibilities. Uh, but that's me speculating. So let's get to the last thing on the list: the first film released in Phase Four, uh, which I know you have seen, Scott, because I took you to it. Uh, Black Widow was just released this summer, and it's in a bit of a weird place. Uh, it takes place between the events of Civil War and Infinity War, but also impacts the MCU going forward a bit. Before we get into all that, Scott, what did you think of Black Widow? Well, you know, as a Phase 4 film that takes place fully within Phase 3. <laughs> yeah. Except for like one post-credit scene. That's one credit scene. Uh, it's a wonderful Phase 3 movie, and if it had actually come out between <laughs> those movies that it actually set between, it would be a lot better than it was. Uh, uh, I can't argue with that, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the film. It was good for what it is, but um, first of all, looking at it from a critical standpoint, it's a rehash of Winter Soldier. <laughs> it's a complete structural rehash of Winter Soldier, yeah. Just There's just no getting around that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, that being said, this movie is very much worth a watch. Go see it because what's his name? Dave, David Arbor. Harbor. Yes. You, yes. By God, he is wonderful in this movie. Uh, yeah. I, my my biggest issue with the film is we waited this long to get a Black Widow film, and I feel like she is. Uh, drown in her own movie by overshadowing by Yelena, who was just a joy to watch. And I, again, spoilers, I can't wait to watch her going forward in the MCU. And any scene Yelena isn't stealing is wholeheartedly being stolen by David Harbour as Red Guardian, who every time I watch this movie, I'm mad he never really got his moment to shine. Uh, every time he steps up like he's going to have a big hero moment, we undercut it. I'm tired of that shit. Knock it off, Marvel. Let's just let him have a badass hero moment. Um, I really, really want to see more of this character. D- knowing what we know post uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I don't think he's necessarily lying when he's telling his his war story in the prison about fighting Cap in the 80s. It probably wasn't Steve, but I believe he fought a version of Cap in the 80s, and I want that story, Kevin Feige. Um, give me that. Um, I was was mostly disappointed in the the character arc for Natasha is very boring. I really, really question why, if we're going to set the movie further back in the timeline, why isn't this the story we've all been waiting to see fleshed out since it's name-checked in Avengers? Why wasn't this the story of her defection and her and Hawkeye on the run in Budapest? Amen. It seems like that is the much bigger character development. Natasha in this movie starts out and ends the film the same character. I don't think she really goes through any kind of growth. Growth would be, I'm a super spy. I don't really want to do this anymore. Defecting the shield. How does that happen? I'm willing to murder a child to defect to get out of this. That's interesting. Give me more of that. But I guess we'll never find out what happened in Budapest. Yeah. A couple random references to it in this movie. That's about it. 
Yeah, that was the whole thing. I mean, we get to see this great safe house, which is obviously where a lot of stuff happens in Budapest, the Budapest story, because uh-huh. there's there's arrow holes in the wall, which I assume is... Uh, trying to take her out? Yeah, Hawkeye's trying to take out Natasha. At least that's the way the movie presents it to us. But then we get, like, nothing from it at all. It's just yeah. like a, a throwaway line. Oh, those are arrow holes, you know. Okay, yep. I want to see that story. I don't care about you and your sister. I just want to see that story. Um, and if I, you frame the movie differently, I mean, clearly the point of this movie was to set up Yelena so we have a new Black Widow going forward. And, and I'm fine with that, but there are better ways you could have done that. Um, I wanted to see what happened. I, I thought the opening of the film would be the Budapest story um, or a, a, a condensed version of it. Um, and then... <laughs> I got to say, disappointing as hell, Taskmaster. Um, I don't necessarily mind that you gender flipped Taskmaster and made her a female. What pisses me off is you completely drained any and all personality that Taskmaster has for a mute uh, assassin. Well, you, you took away what made Taskmaster fun and entertaining and replaced it with absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, so. When it comes to Taskmaster, so yeah, I, I get so the, the costuming looked beautifully, especially when the hood is up. You know, yes, dead up like Taskmaster. But we only get like one scene with the hood up. A- every other scene, the hood's down. Yep. And, and I don't even mind the whole cybernetic twist that it's not a superpower, but it's a cybernetic thing that's just uploading with data. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. But the. The fact that it's just mind, it's just a mind controlled of his daughter, which, yeah, we didn't see that coming two minutes into the damn film. But uh, every time you reference you killed his daughter, are you sure? Oh, I wondered where we're going with this plot line. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was it was it was telegraphed like all over the place um, when literally you could have brought the character of Taskmaster in and just made it a, made it made him her whichever way you wanted to do it. Yeah. Character. Just have them be the one in charge of the Red Room. You know, that, that's it. It's easy. It's not that hard. Um, but that being said, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I like the look. I like the idea. But then they just, it was cliched and it was bad. And even even the one time that Natasha, Natasha returns back to her roots, her MCU roots, mm-hmm. you know, when she's... So you, you've got her scene in Avengers where she's interrogating the, the, the Russian general by being the victim. And yep. then she uses that talent to interrogate Loki in Avengers. Yep. We get a glimpse of that Natasha when she's with... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the, random the, Russian bad guy dude. Random Russian bad guy dude. And she's trying to find the thing. But we never get that, oh, so that's your play, and it flips. We never get that moment. The, the, this movie, as much as I love David Harbour, or Arbor, whatever the hell his name is, in this movie as Red Guardian, the rest of this movie is just watered down dribble. Yeah, the characters... Are, are great. The story you've already seen before. 
the action is solid, but nothing that's like, you know, we're not talking any uh, Winter Soldier elevator fight level of awesomeness here. Um, and, and what really sucks is is this movie took so long to get here. Not just it took so long to make a Black Widow movie, but then once they made a Black Widow movie, because of the pandemic and everything, it took so long for this to get here. Um, yeah, it's not the worst Marvel movie. It ain't the best. And like you said, Scott, the only thing that really pays off going forward is presumably we'll be seeing more of, uh, well, we know we'll see more of Yelena um, and hopefully more of Red Guardian. Um, I would like for him to get his shield back. Sorry, I'm upset about that. Um, also glad I didn't buy that replica since he never uses it in the film because it'll <laughs> probably change again before he gets it back in the next film. Uh, but, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. You say next film, but uh, from what I've heard, and of course I don't I don't keep track of a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, that, that's your domain, and I yield to you on that. But from what I've heard, I, I don't know if we'll be getting... Uh, any more Natasha uh, because uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Scarlett Johansson has sued Disney because of the uh, uh, the Disney Plus release. Yeah, uh, I guess other, gonna... uh, other people have, have jumped on this bandwagon because of breach of contract or something. I don't know. All the details. It, it, it's a whole thing for a different show, but no, Natasha is done and this was intended to be kind of her swan song which is why it's kind of bittersweet because I, I feel like they could have sent her off on a much different note. But what I meant was Red Guardian and Yelena, we will definitely see more of. Um, and I look forward to seeing more of those characters going forward uh, and, and the legacy of, of Natasha. Uh, but that's also, I will also point out um, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney, not Marvel. There is a difference. Um, we'll that place. No, I, I, you didn't. I just wanted to point out oh. to everyone who's, who's chatting about it. Uh, yes, there may be some hurt feelings and some bad blood, but that bad blood is with Disney, not Marvel. They are <coughs> two different entities. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, one might be a parent company, but but they are different companies. Um, lots of people are not happy with Disney right now. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're done with Marvel. I'll just yeah. say that and leave it at that. Um, now, now I did like I did like that Elena kept pointing out the, such a poser. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I was going. <laughs> the whole thing of the 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 the, the Scarlet uh, Scarlet Witch as versus Scarlet Witch. Um, the uh, the Black Widow landing with her mm-hmm. head flipped back, and and the fact that she tries it at one point, she's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I fully expect we'll see a moment uh, when she pops up. Maybe not in Hawkeye, but somewhere where Yelena pops up where she'll fully own that as her her tribute to her sister. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. That, the best thing I can say is this, the side characters introduced are really fun, and I'm excited to see more of them. Yeah. So that being said, let's wrap this up. Here's what we know is coming the rest of 2021. We're going to rapid fire this. We're in the lightning round of the show. First up, uh, debuting a week from the time we're sitting here right now, Marvel's What If, the first animated series, will feature The Watcher, taking us through lots of different What If scenarios, maybe leading to a team of multiversal Avengers. That's been very, very heavily hinted at. Um, We know we'll see Captain Carter, 
uh, where Peggy Carter takes the serum, not Steve. We'll see some kind of zombie version with Spider-Man hunting zombies. We'll see a what if T'Challa was Star-Lord, which sounds weird. Um, but that's kind of what what if is all about. Scott, thoughts on what if, having not seen any of it yet? Well, you know, what if has always been a, a staple in Marvel. I look forward to seeing what if. I like the fact that they're doing it animated versus live yes. action because it would be a lot harder to do live action and get these get these people back to do voice work and stuff. Um that being said, one thing I would love to see in a what if is a tie-in. So this is something I was going back to with with WandaVision and the White Vision. Now that we have White Vision out there and 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 hopefully we'll get a future movie with white vision whether he'll be it'll be his movie or not or he'll just be in it i don't know but i really 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 want to see them use that as a vehicle to introduce wonder man and and i really hope we see wonder man in like like his first glimpse in what if because it's animated it's easy to do Mm-hmm. By God, Nathan Fillion had better voice him and play him. <laughs> so many brushes with uh, almost being in the MCU of Wonder Man. Uh, almost as many as Adam Warlock and Beta Ray Bill at this point. But uh, no, almost the, the What If comic series is, is one of my favorites. I love alternate takes on characters. Um, there was one a couple of years ago that was a What If um, Thor and Loki had been swapped and, and what if thor was taken by the frost giants and raised as a frost giant um i love what if because you can just play and it doesn't matter because it's it's a one-off storyline you can do whatever you want you can go crazy with it um one of my favorite stories and it isn't really a what if but it is kind of a what if it's uh punisher kills the marvel universe where instead of the punisher instead of frank castle's family being killed in crossfire of a, a mob shootout they're killed as collateral damage in a superhero supervillain fight in the park. So the Punisher decides to take out all superpowered beings, and and literally the Punisher kills the Marvel Universe. It's a one-off, one-issue, uh, fun, goofy kind of read. Uh, but that's what makes what a great is is it doesn't have to matter. It doesn't have to plant, you know, twenty years worth of stories going forward. It can just be a let's just. Here's one kernel of an idea. Let's just follow out to its you know ridiculous conclusion, and we'll call it a day. That's what I'm excited to see for what if. I'm actually a little hesitant uh, because there's talk of uh, some of these characters might end up coming together, uh, and there will be sort of an overarching story for the series. I don't want that. Just make it standalone episodes. That's all we need. Uh, that's what makes what if great is is you can do anything with it because it doesn't really matter. It's in its own universe. Uh, but then coming on its heels, September 3rd, Scott, I know you're pumped for this one, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten wrist, uh, Bristlets. <laughs> yeah, I love the... the ten uh, bracelets. You know, yeah, I love in the Marvel Universe. You, you can't beat the, the Ten Bracelets. They are they're some of the most powerful magical items in the world. Uh, I'm so glad they didn't make them rings, you know. Uh uh, I can kind of see where they're going and changing them from rings on your fingers because that, that you know, if, if they went straight comic book version of the Ten Rings, it is a little uh, Infinity Gauntlet E. I, I get that, but I, <laughs> the solution they've come to is interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll play out. Meh. 
fair enough. Uh, <laughs> a character I don't know very much about. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see. It. Hopefully we'll get it. I know the character in the comics originated as Marvel's take on uh, Bruce Lee Kung Fu movies of the 70s. Hopefully we'll get some of that vibe in the movie. We'll see. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go out to see it. it's Marvel, but I'm not uh, I'm not necessarily super pumped for it. At least not as much as I am for. Uh, well, that's not next. We'll go with the timeline wise. Uh, following that, we, we have a bit of a, a gap. The Eternals, November 5th. Huh? We're all pumped after that super exciting trailer, aren't we? Well, I'll tell you, uh, the Eternals are interesting characters, and 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 I'd be interested to see what the MCD, MCU does with them because they do they have done in the past a really good job of taking characters out that you know are, are kind of somewhat secondary, tertiary that I don't care for, and making them interesting. So I'll watch it, but. I'm going to jump past this because the only thing going forward after all the series that, uh, that I'm really interested in is Multiverse of Madness. Well, we're not talking about that today, Scott. Why not? That's 2022. We're just talking care. 2021. No, 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 no. Well, Multiverse of Madness is the only thing that we should be giving a shit about. It's you don't care about the Hawkeye series? Okay. I'm I'm legit not even sarcastically hyped for that. I'm 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 happy to see Hawkeye finally get some time to shine. You don't care about the Ms. Marvel show? No. Because... You don't care about Spider-Man No Way Home? No. Wow. Because... Yeah, I thought the last one would have at least got you. No, because literally WandaVision and Loki, both of those two of the three series that we have got are setting up Multiverse of Madness. You don't think Spider-Man No Way Home is setting up Multiverse of Madness? I don't care about setting up anymore. I don't want more setup. I want payoff. That what the hell's going on? Okay. Uh, uh, I say this. Uh, you're Scott, so I don't know what you do and don't know. <laughs> Have you heard what is rumored to be happening in Spider-Man? Um, I'm assuming he's lost and he can't find his way home. So you haven't heard that this is potentially going to bring the other two previous Spider-Men into one continuity? Uh, uh, well, I've I've heard. We've already confirmed villains from other Spider-Man movies played by those actors. Alfred Molina's yeah, Doc I, Ock is in this I movie. I knew, I knew Alfred Molina had been had been confirmed as cast as Doc Ock, and Jamie I love Fox that. Fox's Electro is confirmed in this movie. I had not heard that, um, yes. but I also had not heard that Alfred Molina as Doc Ock was the what that he was cast as the Spider-Man Two Doc Ock. I I just I, I just heard I, I just heard he was cast as Doc Ock, and I'm like, oh, they're bringing him back as, as this you, version. Do you think they're going to pull a boner on this one? Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay. You heard it here first, kids. Uh, that's called pulling a boner from now on. <laughs> um, it, it's also been heavily back and forth, rumored, implied. Uh, I can't say it yet that we're going to see both, um, Andrew Garfield and, um, wow, my mind is blanking now. Um, original recipe, uh, Spider Man, Tobey Maguire, God bless. Returning. Essentially, we're going to see an Into the Spider-Verse live action in this film. 
As long as we don't get Spider Pig, I'm happy. I was just going to say, Scott, we might even get a Spider Pig cameo in this movie. Stupid Spider Pig. Uh, no, I, 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 if, if half these rumors are true, I think the, the only project you're going to see in 2021 that is directly dealing with any kind of fallout from Loki and, and uh, the WandaVision uh, multiverse timeline, whatever you want to call it, is Spider-Man. Now, if um, if that's true, if they're bringing in all those and, and everything, then yes, I will probably, I, I'm, I would look forward to that movie. Um, but, I don't know, I, I'm just, you, you've teased me the multiverse, now show me the multiverse. What if I'm looking forward to, because it shows me the multiverse. Um, multiverse. I firmly believe Spider-Man: No Way Home will be your first uh, live-action version of, or live-action seeing of the multiverse. Well, and if that's the case, then I'm all for it. But the other ones, Shang-Chi and whatever the hell, yeah, and 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 Celestials, yeah, I'll watch them, but I'm I'm not I'm not like over the moon excited for them. Okay. Well, I think Eternals looks boring as shit. Uh, I hope they do a cool job bringing the Black Knight into it. Um, super pumped for Hawkeye. I'm not even being sarcastic about that. It's about time uh, this Hawkeye got some time to shine, got his own thing. Uh, I know it's going to be a passing the torch thing because we're already bringing in uh, um, Haley Steinfeld as um, Kate Bishop. Uh, I just hope we don't fully brush off Clint before it really gets the time to shine. I, I think we're going somewhat into his origins because we know Swordsman is going to be in it. Um, so hey. excited for that. Yes. Uh, uh, Clint has already had his time to shine. Thank you very much. He had that awesome uh, Saturday Night Live skit. Okay. Moving on past that. Um so that is the 2021 lineup for Marvel's Phase Four. Uh, not talking about the thing that Scott wants to talk about because that's not till 2022. Um, and man, we have to milk this MCU stuff for all we can. So that's what we've gotten. There's where we're going. Scott, anything else? Uh, obviously, you want to see the multiverse, but is there anything specific you want to see from this next, uh, the next part of Phase Four? Hmm. Well, or Spider Pig. Um, and you know what? You can make that the title of the episode. Fuck. Or Spider Pig. Uh, um. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Uh, there's so many things out there going forward that I would love to see. Uh, and and we're not getting them this year. We're not getting them next year. You know. Um. But personally, I, I want to see. I, I I don't know how to how to say it, but uh, in all honesty, the MCU's covered a lot of what I really love from my time, my my old school time of reading comics. But um, oh shit, what the hell was it? Right now, that my biggest gap in the MCU is there's no Simon Williams, there's no Wonder Man. And and yeah, I want him to come in. That that's my biggest one. Fair enough. Um, the one thing I want to see, and if it's ever going to happen, it's going to be this phase. Give me Beta Ray Bill. 
Oh yeah, Vader rebuild y'all. Yeah. Uh, look again. Ten years ago, and I told you never gonna happen. Post Ragnarok. Uh, not only do I think it's going to happen, but goddamn, I hope Taika Waititi does it. Um, love that character. Want to see more? We're getting Jane Foster Thor in uh, the next Thor movie. So come on, man, Beta Ruby Bill, give me that Thor core, Thor five, Thor core. There you go. Call me Marvel. With that, this has been a super MCU <laughs> extended length look uh, at where Phase Four is at, where it's going, what we're excited for. Thank you for sticking it out with us this long, true believers. Uh, give yourselves a pat on the back and I'll save you some time. There's no post credit scene to this podcast. So just go ahead and leave the theater now. Uh, but Scott, thank you for sitting here with me and thank you for reading ahead of the class. Uh, so you can keep us informed on what cool storylines we need to know about going forward. Uh, and you can educate us on the difference between battle or sorry, between uh, secret war and secret wars. Very different. And you can thank commander Scott for reading ahead of the class on that one. Until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.